any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Hello and welcome to another edition of Any Given Monday, your favourite podcast uh, for a Monday, I hope. Maybe it's your only podcast, maybe you're so desperate and bored you'll, you'll listen to anything, but welcome <laughs> welcome to Any Given Monday for another another fascinating weekend of footies over and uh, Dr Dan Eddy here with you along with our local and uh, everything expert really, Owen Carter. How are you mate? Once again, thank you very much for the kind introduction Dr Dan, uh, Hey, what I'm I'm looking at more and more like a hobo as every week goes by <laughs> in stage four lockdown and desperate need of a haircut, but uh, yeah, otherwise all good at this end. I was going to ask your wife how she was how she was coping <laughs> with that, but that's okay. We'll get onto that now. Just before we get into it, we've got a big show and we've got a very special guest in about thirty seconds. But it's a pretty sad, pretty sad day, mate. I, I don't know if you've heard the news, but it's it's really the football world's just been hit by mourning over the last uh, 24 hours. And if you haven't heard, everyone, um, the AFL era has been going since 1990. And um, what what happened yesterday was that Essendon set a new record for the longest period without winning a final, uh, <laughs> f- f- 5,838 days. And I, surpassing Richmond of the 01 to 17 era, which was pretty ugly. So for everyone out there who is struggling... Um, you can give me a call. Um, actually, now give give on a, you know, on Carter a call because I'm really struggling with it. Uh, not a record that we wanted to have, and uh, yeah, it's been a really black black day for me. So uh, yeah, hopefully there's better things on the horizon. But uh, yeah, I was really anyway. wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> I know. I thought I'd shock you with that. Now, uh, now one bloke who I know. Well, before we get, we won't even bother with the pleasantries today, mate, because we've got to add a special guest. Who's uh, just given us a few minutes, which is fantastic. Um, before we go on, if anyone's going to be happy with Essendon's record of uh, not winning for so long, it is the next man we speak to, and that is uh, Stony Creek President Mark LePage, who uh, unfortunately is a big Collingwood man, and I'm sure he's got something to say on <laughs> Essendon's failures. Mark, thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Owen, um, well, they just got better after hearing that fact, uh, <laughs> Daniel. So. Um, and uh, I was unaware of that uh, long sing record, which um, mm. is obviously better than Essendon uh, having that than uh, the Mighty Pies. So, um, yeah, great win today and uh, better now knowing that record, Daniel. Yeah, no, I thought I'd cheer you up. Now, you are a big Collingwood man, Mark, so just tell us how you would have sat through the Carlton game. You would have been a bit toe on, I imagine, at some point. How did you get through the game and were you happy with the Pies' effort? I uh, got through the game okay, bit dodgy halfway through the third quarter, and thinking um, that we're going to be finishing uh, finishing ninth um, this year. But uh, the boys came good in the end, and um, under man severely got over mm. line, and um, hopefully have uh, secured a spot um, a few weeks ago, obviously, but um, certainly helped winning today for the finals. 
Yeah, it's a great effort, really, when you think that there are some <laughs> pretty handy players missing. Probably four of your your best players are out, so it's a pretty pretty fair effort uh, just to be in the running for the finals. I mean, you probably will get in, so that that in itself will be a great achievement. More than happy to make the numbers up, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Owen Carter's a Saints man, so if anyone is happy making the numbers oh, up, yeah. it's him. Feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now. now Oh, you've been right across this, and I've uh, had a couple of chats with Mark over the journey, but the last couple of years in particular has been pretty pretty brutal for anyone associated with the Alberton Football League down in Gippsland region, and uh, Mark LePage has been at the coal front. Uh, he's never never one to hold back with a comment, Mark, so I imagine he's ruffled mm. a few feathers over the journey, and there's uh, uh, <laughs> been a couple... He holds people to account, and we love that about him, and... Uh, just in the last, what, week or so, um, it's been announced that the Albany Football League is no more. Now, for me, that's uh, a tragedy in the sense that uh, uh, my family's got a very long history, as has Mark's, with, with the Stony Creek Footy Club and with the league itself. And, uh, yeah, in a sense, to see it sort of uh, die on the vine is, is, is hard. But Mark's been at the coal front trying to keep it happening, for keep it going and keep, keep his club and all the clubs really uh, up and running. So, Mark, just how difficult as the last couple of years been and particularly what's happened in the last few weeks? Yeah, it hasn't been easy. Um, it's you know probably more time focusing on um, external issues rather than um, the issues going on with your own club and probably mm. um, most of the other presidents I think would be in the same in the same uh, boat. But uh, I think over the last, oh, coming up a week, um, to be um, accepted into the Mid-Gippsland uh, Football Netball League uh, and, and uh, more importantly, all six clubs um, was a huge relief. Um, a lot of work uh, over the last couple of months by all the six clubs um, and in particular the presidents of, of those clubs, um, of the Elberton clubs and Mid-Gippy executive and, and Mid-Gippsland um, clubs also. So to put a a full stop um, on the end of this three or four year period has been um, uh, has been exciting, a little bit sad, obviously with, with the demise of of Alberton, but it got to a stage where it was unsustainable, has been for for some time, and uh, football will still live on in in um, in South Gippsland and and uh, and uh, Alberton through its six clubs that now have a a new lease of life. Yeah, um, mate, you say it's been a bit of trials and tribulation for the. The last three or four years down that way, um, do you do you put the the blame f- squarely on the uh, competition in West Gippsland as to the demise? I guess you could say of the Alberton League. Oh, I, mean, I think um, I mean look on paper that that's the the, the popular view that um, you know AFL Gippsland, AFL Victoria made the decision regarding West Gippsland, but I think it runs a bit deeper than that. I think yeah. you know if you if you look at the reasoning for the West Gippsland clubs uh, wanting out of of Alberton, obviously uh, partly some travel, but also the the concern that they have with with some of our declining junior numbers and. And to be fair to those clubs, um, that's probably played out. Um, obviously, being in a six-team uh, competition hasn't helped the the Alberton clubs promote and, and um, encourage juniors to to come along and play. You play on each other, you know, sometimes six or seven times. Mm. Um, it felt like that at times, but yeah, um, yeah. no. Look, I think um, uh, I think there was a wide range of issues um, which have been well documented. Um, 
uh, yeah, we can go round round circles, but I think the club, the six Albany clubs, made the decision to, um, to to talk to Mid Gippsland and get the ball rolling from our end, um, uh, and and make the decision happen. Um, from Mid Gippsland and the Alberton clubs, and not so much from an AFL Gippsland or AFL Victoria um, perspective. So for us to, to, I suppose, negotiate between us um, is a massive feather in the cap to both the Alberton clubs and um, and certainly the Mid Gippsland Football Netball League and their clubs. So the presidents of all the Alberton clubs were united in making this happen or was it a couple of you leading the charge or did you have to sort of beg a couple to get on board like how much resistance was there between you all no i think uh once um once we sort of felt um uh, negotiations uh between albert and, and mid gippsland sort of falling to the wayside um i've got a good relationship with with the president of mid gippsland gary matthews and um, and we just thought there had to be a better way. So uh, we rang around and, and the Alberton clubs had a meeting, um, all six clubs together, and we sort of highlighted the, the challenges that were in front of us. And if we didn't act, and if we didn't act as a group of six, um, then uh, 2021 would be looking pretty ordinary uh, for all six Alberton clubs. So we got together, we, um, we came together and in a positive and open setting. We sat with the Mid Gippsland executive and, and um, representatives of the Mid Gippsland clubs uh, on our first meeting, probably start of June. And um, it was open, honest. We put our cards on the table. They put their cards on the table and we, we just sat and threw ideas backwards and forwards. And we left that meeting that night. Uh, was held at um, in town at Moomin North. Um, we left that meeting, I think both sides, thinking that we could possibly make something work. Um, came back a couple of probably a couple of weeks later. We we uh, put a proposal. Uh, the Albert, the six Albert and clubs put a proposal to Mid Gippsland Executive and the Mid Gippsland clubs, uh, highlighting how it could work uh, around the draw, um, reducing travel, um, a bit of a future plan, and um, it uh, we, we it sort of went from there, and um, we have the outcome that we have. Yeah, uh, you uh, you answered a lot of questions I had lined up for you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry, mate. Yeah, no, you're right. You, you emphasized uh, that the you emphasized in a Facebook uh, post that uh, the MGFL absorbed the Alberton clubs. It's not an amalgamation or a merger. Um, uh, did you have um, any contact with the MGFL clubs as well, um, good or otherwise? And you know, it's a, it, as an absorption, it, is there any sort of protocol from other clubs to sort of get in contact with you, or it's just business as usual? Uh, look, it's pretty business as usual. I mean, we've been in contact with um, the Mid Gippsland clubs. We've had a couple of uh, Mid Gippsland clubs prior to the announcement. Just um, talk to the Alberton clubs just for a bit of clarification about you know this or that. Um, so um, no, it, it, it's pretty much. I mean, it's only been a week, so um, I have had I have spoken to to a couple from from Mid Gippsland, but um, um, I think now everyone's sort of you know pretty heavily involved in planning. For, for 2021 uh, and whatnot, but we uh, will no doubt make uh, a bit more contact with the with the Mid Gippsland clubs over the over the next few weeks, and and uh, and we look forward to that. Uh, just two from me, mate. The the um, did you think at some point at any stage along the way that Stony might actually die? Did you think this club would actually have to fold? Did it ever get that bad? 
Oh, no, I don't think it. I mean, look, we've got some we've got um, some issues around our G's. Um, we've made that pretty clear, and and we've got some real challenges there. And really, the first time. Uh, probably since we've been in Albert and, um, you know, stretching back, I don't know, late 50s, early 60s, whenever it was, um, uh, mid 60s, I think. But we, we've got some challenges there, but we've also got a, a young, uh, group of footballers and netballers that, um, um, uh, a good local base. So we're, we're confident that we, we would have, um, we would have survived, um, 2021. It would have been challenging, um, yeah. How 2021 would have looked uh, in a current six-team format um, would be the issue, and uh, and I think every club was in a in a similar boat. I, I don't think anyone was probably going to drop off a cliff, um, but uh, going through 2021 in the same capacity that we have um, the last uh, three or four years, uh, I think had a lot of club presidents nervous about what 2022 and 2023 and, you know, so mm-hmm. on would have looked like. So I think it was that those years that were probably more of a concern, um, just trying to keep players in the 16 comp, uh, even the locals, you know, player attention at senior level was all of a mm-hmm. sudden going to be a massive uh, challenge for us. And, uh, and already, um, we've, um, you know, spoken to players about next season and they're, um, it's been a total turnaround. Um, they're, they're energized and enthusiastic again and, and, um, yeah, ready to go. But I don't think we were, we certainly wouldn't have fallen over, but, um, there would have been some challenges presented, uh, Dan, for yeah, sure. Okay. And you know, just before you jump in, I the the other one was so. What are your um, pressing challenges now? Preparing for the move to the new league, are there any major standout ones, or is it just yeah? I don't know. Well, yeah. What is what is the daunting prospects trying to get up and ready for a new league? No, not 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 really too much. I mean, for us, nothing much has changed. Um, we're still we're still playing against. Um, uh, the the five um, local Alberton uh, clubs um, with obviously the challenge now of, of playing against nine uh, Mid Gippsland clubs, so um, we're excited for that. I mean, we did we did get accepted to Mid Gippsland last year, so um, for us, we probably all of our planning um, to move leagues it was sort of done two years ago. So we're sort of ready to press the button. It's just a um, a matter of getting. Uh, the players, making sure all the players are aware and excited. Our biggest challenge is, is our junior football. Uh, junior football's mm. not too bad, um, but our junior football is a, is a massive challenge, and, and that's um, that'll take. We'll actually be able to focus more on that than what we have been now. We've we've got um, got this league stuff sorted. Yeah, it's uh, the junior aspect was a big problem in mid Gippsland too, as you're probably already aware. Um, What's your thoughts on the changing of the under eighteen, or rather the junior levels? So there's going to be an under seventeen comp that that sort of fits into your guys' narrative. Yeah, look, we we're, we're sort of pretty open either way. Um, we know um, uh, Mid Gippsland are keen for under 18s and under 15s. I think we we probably sing from the book that if as long as there's a three year age gap, that's the key. Um, so whether it's 18s and 15s or 17 and 14s uh, at mm. the moment, um, we're, we're probably we haven't really decided one way or another. But I think what we have agreed on, and I think all the clubs are the same, that it has to be a three-year age gap. Um, so mm. if it's 17s and 14s, we'll, we'll try and make that work. If it's 18s and 15s, we'll obviously um, work to make 
that happen as well. Um, but um, you know, we've got coaches advertised for under fourth, thirds, and under twelves um, currently. So we're we've already started the ball rolling there because we we don't want to be coming to to March and and still scratching the surface. So uh, we've got a good six months to work on that junior structure and how it's going to look, and um, we'll we'll see what we uh, see what we can dig up. That sounds good. Um, sorry, before you go, Dan, I just wanted to touch. It might be a sore point too, so sorry if it is, but. You lost a couple of pretty decent um, players to Killy Bass uh, at the start of the year. Uh, any news on them? Are they coming back now that there's a bit more of a certain future for the club? Um, oh, look, we'll obviously make contact with with the, with the players um, over the last couple of years who predominantly left because of the the way the competition was. Um, so we'll we'll make contact there. I think the the key point, Owen, with this is that we. Um, we did have a lot of clearances go out, but we also had 12 guys, uh, 12, 13 guys, if not a couple more, that missed out on both the senior and reserves premierships uh, or grand finals in 2019. So whilst mm. we did lose a few, we also had a lot of guys um, who some were injured, um, some just missed out. So we we did have a surplus of players. Um, and what it's allowed us to do also, it's allowed us to um, get back to uh, a lot more locals and, and filling our team with a lot more locals as well. So, and, and obviously top up on those um, those southeastern-based players and, and we'll contact them. They were great um, value around our club. We loved having them and um, it was just a shame that the league was in the position that it was. And otherwise, I mean, no doubt mm. they would have stayed. Yeah. I guess the obvious one, Mark, before we let you go, is the... <laughs> you're coming off the back of a year where there's, there's been no footy and it's just been um, turmoil across the across the country. But how how has the club managed to stay afloat financially in that sense? And then and then you've got to sort of pick yourself up and go into the new league. Has there been a major issue financially in that sense, or has the club been able to sort of maintain a status quo despite everything? Well, Dan, you be aware uh, more than anyone that our club's got an amazing bunch of, uh, of yeah. loyal uh, volunteers. Uh, so our we, we were lucky in the sense that our major fundraising period um, go uh, starts probably from no, uh, the first of November to the the fifth or sixth of March. Yeah. So we missed the um, the bulk, obviously, of the pandemic. So we we're able to get all our, our fundraising in. Um, really plan sort of April, May when it didn't look great um, on, on how we spend our money, uh, cash flow, what projects we, we put off, what projects we put on. Um, so I, I think our committee's done a really um, mm. great job in, in managing the finances. I mean, we, we're going to be ne- need to be careful coming into this next period because obviously um, – um, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty around race meetings, you know, cam drafts, um, hay and silage making, which we all uh, we all um, do. Um, so we're just going to have to watch. But I mean, the club financially is in a um, probably the strongest position it's ever been in, and that's um, just yeah. due to the diligence of our of our committee. And um, and we need to be in that position coming into times and coming out of times like this. So um, we'll continue to be diligent and, um, and um, putting our, I suppose we, we've always been good at putting our, um, our hard work back into the club 
Um, yep. So we'll we'll continue to do that. It may just be in the slightly jobs that we were going to do, maybe put off for another 12 months. Um, some maybe more yeah. forward. It's just a matter of, of, of working out um, what's a priority and where that uh, the money needs to be spent. No, that's fantastic to hear, mate, because uh, that was probably one of my fears, whether... Uh you know that that would cripple a lot of clubs, but that's fantastic to hear that our club is uh, up and firing and ready to go. And uh, I'm looking forward to round one. There, you've got me fired up, so I'm looking forward to round one to get a, get uh, get down there and see. We're so. looking for a water boy, Daniel. So uh, I'll give you a call. <laughs> slow plotter to just sort of. <laughs> <around>. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do, mate. The calves aren't too good, but I'll I'll have a crack. They might they might get their water before the end of the quarter. That's fine, mate. We'll see what we can muster up. We'll find you. We'll switch you in somewhere. Beautiful. No, that was uh, fantastic, Mark. Thanks heaps for that, mate. Um, well done on getting the deal done. All the all the presidents of the of the league, of the leagues, and the netball side of it as well. Just to get it all up and running is been a traumatic period at times and some of it's been pretty tough reading and you've been at the coalface of it Mark so fantastic on what you've been able to do and hopefully it's all positive going forward now No thanks for your support boys and um, I look forward to uh, 2021 Beautiful, thanks heaps mate and uh, take care Thanks Mark Cheers boys Mark LePage there, one of my uh, favourites, an old teammate of mine, and we talk about plotters, and uh, <laughs> Mark wasn't blessed with speed, but he was one of the gutsiest, and he's like a workhorse. I won't. Mm. He's, I think he's off the line now, so I can I can pump him up, but he was like a workhorse on the field, and uh, it might take him 20 minutes to get 15 metres, but by the time he got there, he did something pretty impressive with it, and... Uh, our families have grown up together over the years, so uh, you've got a special spot for the LePage family. And Mark uh, bleeds uh, maroon and white of the Stony Creek team, so he's done a great job, and they all have such. So it sounds exciting going forward, doesn't it, mate? Yeah, especially when you said they're in probably the best financial situation they can be, given the, yeah. given the context of the year so far. So, no, well, well done to them, and, yeah, that's going to shape to be a, a very interesting league come 2021. Yeah, excuse me, it sounds exciting, so I'm looking forward to reading uh, as it goes along and gets closer and um, everyone can be there for that first day at Stony when I uh, trek the water out onto the field, which would be fantastic for everyone involved. Now, uh, we'll move on to some AFL. I haven't asked you, how was your week, first of all, mate? Have you uh, you been able to keep busy and um, keep the wife happy and keep the kids occupied as well? Oh look, it's it's always a, a week by week situation these sorts of things. So <laughs> that's the way I'm taking it. Uh, <laughs> works much of the same, and family life is good uh, given the circumstances. So yeah, nothing nothing new at this end. Uh, as I said, just at the start, just in dire need of a, a haircut, mate. I can tell you now <laughs> that wearing a mask is uh, hiding a, a big bushy beard and. Yeah, and die in need of a bit of a trim. So, uh, looking forward to that when uh, stage four decides to go away. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, might... sorry, that hopefully uh, that is when they say it's going to be, and they don't push it out another two weeks like I've rumoured it's going to be. Oh right, okay. Well, I'm, I'm picturing Homer Simpson when he had the bird's nest in his beard and he couldn't get them out. I'm sort of picturing that with you. So uh, I pity your family at the moment. They're doing a good job to tolerate you. But, uh, no, that's that's uh, uh, every day. So uh, yes, I'm, I'm grateful. Yes, you should be. Um, the I got interviewed by Rex Hunt on Saturday night, which was a thrill. Oh wow! Um, yeah, he's the voice of my childhood and probably yours as well. Uh, hmm. 
Saturday afternoon listening to Rex on uh, 3AW was down the back of the farm with, with Dad and uh, I, used to, I just loved that period in my life and uh, Rex who had a great interview with me about uh, my new book Crimo so which starts the real media campaign this week and I, yeah so to, to be interviewed by Rex and he was really interested in the story so I'll uh, I'll have that ready to post up hopefully tomorrow that interview but it was really um, really fun and entertaining so that was a nice change something different for a Saturday night I was <laughs> a bit different to the nightclub era but uh, <laughs> I, I, sadly I prefer the chat with Rex than, than hitting the bars but that's uh, might be the stage of life I mean plus the fact Ernie yep. was in the bed just near me but um, <laughs> anyway footy footy and um my boy Ernie was uh, pretty happy in his Bombers top this week because we've pulled off an amazing yeah. comeback. We'll get to that shortly, but um, just to look at the games that have happened this yeah, when week. Yeah, you, when you're pulling that up, um, I was just thinking while you're talking about your young fella, um, you didn't happen to hear about uh, Josh Hill at all, did you? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Hill, the former Eagle, is, uh, he's, he's, he's become a dad twice in a week. Uh, to different mothers, so it's been a very interesting week, but for young Josh, yes, a uh, very busy boy. Um, and I don't think you can blame lockdown on that one just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was in between partners and he, or in between relationships, and um, mm. one was ending and one was just starting, and uh, the timing was very interesting, and it's just happened that they're both coming out the same <laughs> week. So very interesting times ahead <laughs> for Joshy boy. But hopefully that all goes well. Now there was one game Monday. We won't go into it, but Collingwood. Last Monday, uh, easily accounted for North, 65 mm. to 35. The Pies doing a good job at the moment of uh, hanging in there, as Mark LePage said. Uh, yep. They've done pretty well, and we'll get on to their game shortly. Um, but first of all, oh, there was a double header Thursday night. and it was. Uh, the Hawks and the Bombers, one of the great rivalries of the last probably four decades. And, uh, well, at halftime... Um, you were ready you were to write in, them off, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. If you're anywhere in the uh, Langatha region at half, <laughs> half time of that game, I, I apologise for what you may have heard or seen. <laughs> uh, damage done to property. Um, yeah, it was just. Uh, you didn't burn the membership, did you? It was just, no, no, I'll never. I'll only do that if we recruit um, Mason Cox. That's the only way I'll, uh, I'll rec- or, or Levi Caswell. They're the only two reasons I will burn my membership. But halftime was a disaster. Hawks had had 17 shots to Essendon 6. It was 17 to 2-4, and the Bombers were embarrassing, really. They were embarrassing and um, pretty, pretty poor at the contest. Uh, not much happening anywhere else around the field either. They were just getting shellacked, and then... Something happened at halftime and Bombers kicked five goals to one in the third quarter and you start to think, hang on, something's, something's not right here. What, what's happening? What's turned? And then in the last quarter they kicked six goals to two and they've come back to win 13-9-87 to 10-11-71. 16 points. Now, in the considering most of this year... Uh, if you lead at three-quarter time, you don't lose. It, it mm. shows that just in these shorter games, it's really, really tough for any team to get back, no matter the margin. Yep. Um, but it's it's ended up being Essendon's one, two, three, equal equal fourth best ever halftime comeback, which is quite stunning in a shorter game and, yep. and to have been so bad. So their best ever was 45 points in 92 against Melbourne and... And there was a 42 or 38, and then there's three on 36. So to get back from six goals down 
Uh, quite a st- stunning effort. I, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry at the end of the game. because I really didn't because I thought, do I praise that or do I just... Uh, I don't know, but uh, it was an exhilarating ride anyway, and the fact we beat the old entity was um, made it even better. But, yeah, it was one of those... You, as a neutral observer, what did you think of it? Yeah, look, it was a tale of two halves, wasn't it? Um, bombers were a bit stagnant early and like, couldn't get the ball moving very well and played on... Played on Hawthorne's terms. Uh, look at, obviously, Joe Danaher was a welcome addition to your side. Yes. Uh, McGrath continues to impress, and Zach Merritt was important in the middle. Uh, Parrish was good too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, after after half time, it was pretty much bad news bears for Hawthorne, wasn't it? And yeah. Essendon just uh, slowly and continually got on top. I mean, McAvoy was pretty good floating back in defence, and Mitchell and Warple essentially carried that midfield for Hawthorne as they've pretty much done for majority of the season. But um, I think the bad news that came out of this, John Patton's injured again. So he's done something to the muscle above his Achilles. I think they thought he'd ruptured his Achilles and yeah. just sitting in between his calf and his Achilles. So he, he just can't take a trip. But look, uh, credit to Essendon in the in the win. They found something. And obviously uh, Joey Denner has uh, inspired him to, to get over the line. So... The, the yeah. bad news there again is I I don't think he's going to get up for the the next round. So yeah, I was really surprised. Around, yeah. I was really surprised by how well he moved. I I wasn't expecting much at all, but uh, once he eased into the game, it was like he hadn't been out at all. It was unbelievable, and we've forgotten, I think, as Essendon fans, how how um, <laughs> you know he's he's nobody, Franklin, but he's he's got that ability to just um, provide an X factor that Essendon doesn't really have. So yeah. Um, it really did. He just changes the whole dynamic, and and it helped the swinging um, Kyle Hooker up there as well was a pretty crucial move after halftime as well. Just a few things Ben Rutten did, and I haven't really been sold on him yet. But yeah. uh, just a few things that happened on the weekend where I went, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this coaching move. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, for a Bombers fan, we're very happy to get that win. Um, but aware that we didn't actually come out to play at the start, so that's a concern going forward. If, uh, mm. if we start like that, I think we've got West Coast this week. If we start like that, I dare <laughs> say it's not going to be too pretty. Um, the shock for me was the next the next game is straight wow. after it, the Eagles and the Tigers. Obviously, Richmond are a brilliant team, probably the best one or two in the comp, but they touched the Eagles up. Now, I've got, to, I've got to admit, I was a bit vague. I'd put Ernie to bed, and I was probably still basking in the glow <laughs> of Essendon's win. And... Um, I've flicked on my KO account and I've pressed the Eagles-Richmond game and I'm watching it. Now, I'm not joking. I got to the last quarter before yep. I realised I was watching a replay of last year's game. <laughs> <laughs> it finally clicked. I, I, I was so vague on what was happening. I was reading and doing other things and then I looked at it and I thought, something's not right here. <laughs> and, uh, West Coast were winning, I think, and it just and I looked at online at something. And I went, "Hang on, this doesn't match up." So I was a complete fool, and I missed the game. <laughs> I, missed the, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever been that stupid. So I may have taken the cake this week. But what did you think of the actual game that took place on that <laughs> night? Richmond fourteen four eighty eight to West Coast nine seven sixty one. How did the Tigers uh, win that game, mate? Because I've got no idea. Oh, uh, look, uh, I've watched that game in full, so well done. I think essentially, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I forgot that there was a double header on Thursday, so I, I didn't catch all of the Hawthorne-Essendon game, so I probably caught the best part that you would yes. consider to be the best. Um, in terms of how Richmond did it, I think they were just cleaner. Uh, 
West Coast did get their hands to the ball, but they were fumbly and they just didn't have any one-touch grabs. And uh, S- uh, Richmond uh, were also putting on that pressure and perceived pressure, and at West Coast were ex- expecting the contacts. So there was an element of that. It was really hectic early. Uh, it was a bit of an arm wrestle for probably two and a half quarters, but it was one of those good arm wrestles where you could tell it was between two heavy heavyweight teams and had a, f- a bit of a finals-like atmosphere to it. Uh, after the halftime break, probably halfway through that third quarter, Richmond's really started to run in numbers and they seemed to have an extra around the contest all the time. So I think that just gave them an extra bailout option and uh, they were able to get it into the forward line a lot better than what the Eagles were. Uh, they forced the Eagles into a lot of dump quick kicks. So they would turn around and just quickly kick it out of defence or... Uh, just try to get out of trouble and there'll be a few Richmond players just ready to to mop it up and uh, take another go into the forward line. Uh, a lot of a few of the Eagles uh, actually got caught napping. Uh, there was a couple of instances where they just had they just took a one too many steps and they were just caught by a Richmond player who was a lot more desperate to try and lay a tackle or get the ball than what West Coast players were. Uh, losing Josh Kennedy didn't help the Eagles' cause either. So he got a knee, I think it was, in the head uh, earlier on in the game and he I don't think he came up from the concussion test. So he set out majority of that game and I don't think Jack Darling is good as a solitary key forward. He needs that chop out from Kennedy. That's where he excels the most. Uh, they did have a pretty decent uh, tall ruckman slash forward in Bailey Williams, West Coast. Uh, I can't remember if he that was his debut game or he's played one already, but I didn't mind the look of him. Um, he's got a bit of development to go, but he did a few good things. But the Tigers just had a big, even spread of contributors throughout the midfield. And, uh, yeah, uh, they're coming good again at that right time of year and their premiership years, they were doing the, exactly the same thing. So look out opposition because the, the Tiger train is coming and all their supporters are... It reminds me of, uh, you know, those pictures where you see the the train uh, going through <laughs> India or, or Pakistan and just every, every single person jumps on board as uh, yep. as that train runs through the countryside. That that always reminds me of the Tiger train when they're starting to win. So that's, that, yeah. that, that started in 2017 because it did. Uh, yeah. I, I suddenly realised there was a lot of people I'd known for a long time who were rich, who just happened to be Richmond supporters. I had no idea until then. So it's amazing how that happens. Um, probably happens at all <laughs> clubs, I'm not sure, but um, I'd be pretty happy to be a Tiger fan at the moment. They're up and flying. Good thing for Essendon is Josh Kennedy might miss this week's game against the Bombers with that concussion. Uh, Unfortunately for him, but uh, if there's one week I want him to miss, it's this week. So that, um, <laughs> that might work in essence favour, but I think we're clutching at straws. The Eagles are still a pretty good unit. Um, yep. Another ripper game was uh, the next, the, the Friday night, the Bulldogs and the Cats. Now, Matt, Matty Dunn at the Paper News, who bring this amazing podcast uh, to you each week, each Monday, uh, Matty Dunn's a big Bulldogs man. And uh, if you thought I was pretty upset at halftime the night before. Matty Dunn, I, he lives a few streets over from me in Langatha, and I could hear, I'm surprised he's still got a house, to be honest. He was, he, was fuming, <laughs> he was fuming with that second half because we talk about comebacks and the Cats basically did what the Bombers did. Yep. They, were, they, they gave up the first six goals of the game and uh, Chris Scott just said to them, look, it's time to 
just peg it back two goals at a time. So they, they kicked three goals to none in the second quarter. They kicked two goals to one in the third. And then they kicked five goals to two in the last. And they've got mm. up and won 10, 12, 72 to uh, 9, 7, 61. I think the margin was, again, almost almost 60, uh, 40 points. It was pretty close. So yeah. Um, did you see that game and what were your thoughts on how that was turned around after the dogs just looked, oh, they looked great guns? Yeah, I did see this game and uh, apologies to Matty Dunn. I did shoot him a message at quarter time. Going, oh, <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll enjoy that one. And he's gone, yeah, it makes me nervous and now we know why. Mm. Uh, as you say, hot start from the dogs. Uh, they really left the cats wanting it. Quarter time. Uh, I likened it. If it was a play fight between two brothers, uh, the doggies were the older brother just sitting on the little brother's head. They just <laughs> did any, anything they wanted to do, and the cats just weren't there mentally in that first quarter. Uh, they couldn't hit the side of a barn. Uh, they had a couple of shots on goal that just uh, easily missed. So yeah. uh, after quarter time, that's when the cats decided, oh, we're, we're coming into this game now. So they ramped up their pressure. They forced doggies into mistakes. Um, and they sl- as I say, they slowly worked their way back in. So it wasn't a, a massive domination as such. But the cats were behind all night apart from those last couple of minutes of the game mm. where they actually managed to get in front. And you're sitting there going, well, doggies are two men down on the bench. So they lost, um, I forget the fellow's name, Vandermeer, I think it is, and uh, Eastern Wood went out as well. So you're thinking, are, are they able going to do it? Uh, do they? Not, uh, not saying whether they got the character or not because that's probably a bit harsh, but whether they got the legs to run it out. And yeah. it just... The cats' class just probably uh, came out over the top in the end, and it puts a little bit of a dent in doggies' finals uh, aspirations uh, to an extent. Look, there's still a few more games to play, but that's one they that probably uh, slipped out of their grasp, and uh, the cats uh, snatched victory in the jaws of defeat. Yeah, and it does a three-way race: eighth, ninth, and tenth at the moment are all on twenty-eight points. Melbourne. Giants, Bulldogs respectively so that it was one that if the Dogs win that they're suddenly a game clear of that of the bottom of the eight and uh, they lose it and now they're with a lower percentage they're in a precarious position because Melbourne's still got a game on them as well so um, yeah it was one of those classical eight point games for the Dogs and they may have conceded the eight points because yeah it's going to be a battle but they're still in the hunt and they are very exciting to watch when they're going but they did come up against probably uh, the form team in the comp at the moment in the Cats who are Mm. second best percentage in the competition by a fair way and Patrick Dangerfield I don't know what his early season form was like but his second half of the season's been pretty exhilarating and We know he polls votes in the Brownlow, so it's going to be... I don't know if he can win it or not. He has, don't think he's been suspended, has he, or anything? Not um, to my knowledge, no. So he'd have to be a show, because he is... Cam Guthrie's been brilliant as well, but he yep. is just... Um, wow, at the moment. Um, yeah, there's some... Yeah, they're exciting to watch the Cats, actually, and Dogs weren't disgraced. To lead almost all all night and, and almost pinch it, or almost hold on to win was a fair yeah. effort, because Geelong are as good as anyone going around. So... Uh, but a thrilling game as a neutral fan. The next night, uh, yeah, I was in and out of this game. Port Adelaide and Sydney's Port just did what they had to do. Eleven seven seventy three to seven five forty seven. Um, you see the game, mate. Anything that you you want to add to it? It was just uh, Port just got the job done when they needed to. Yeah, that's pretty much my feelings on on that game. Um, I watched. 
this game in full as well. I thought the Swans did well to stay in the contest as long as they did, considering how undermanned they are, particularly in yeah. forward and back. They're, they're really lacking key defenders, and as much as we like the the prospect of Elir Elir, sometimes he's just doesn't seem quite there. He'll, he'll do some good things and then he'll do some things you feel like uh, he shouldn't be doing given the amount of game time he's had. So uh be interesting to see where, where that goes. But look, uh, I felt this, the Swans probably kept it in their grasp as long as possible because they made it a scrap. Um, yep. It wasn't a real pretty game to watch and they, they made Port earn it for sure. But uh, yeah, Port were just... Too good in the end, and their midfield dominated. Dixon was back with four goals, and look, I, I wouldn't be celebrating that too much when you're kicking it on goals like Robbie Fox and Lewis Melican. So they're giving away probably yeah, good uh, ten to twelve centimeters and probably equal amount of kilos as well. So uh, I look am, at sorry, mate. I am loving watching Charlie. <laughs> pluck marks and just break packs and he's just a competitive beast and we're, we're, we're missing those great power forwards. I know Tom mm. Hawkins is having a good year but um, but Charlie's just another beast. He's got that Lockett, Tony Lockett grunt about him where he's, you know, he'll <laughs> he'll uh, <laughs> physically make sure you get out of the way. He's a big bloke but um, gee, they must love playing with him and I'm, it's one reason I really love watching Port Adelaide is because he is just something, every time it goes near him, you know, something Interesting's going to happen. Yeah, um, I don't think he uh, buried any blokes' t- heads in the turf this week. But <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he was too busy kicking goals this week. But yeah, yeah look, Port- Porter got some good kids as well, and they've got some good established players. So I think that's a fair reason why they find themselves the position they're in now. So, as I say, they did what they had to do, and they'll move forward to next week as well. Yes, and now that some say oh, the Giants are back, and um, they beat Frio, and Frio weren't anything crash hot. They did they did great keeping that five down to not much. And mm. Giants fourteen seven ninety one to eight five fifty three. The Dockers, I know it's over there, which is always hard to win over there. But you know, it was certainly a good return to form for the Giants. But I think they've need to do it against a couple of higher up teams before we say they're back to last year's form. That's for sure. But they're and I know Josh Kelly got hurt, but overall. Uh, Jeremy Cameron looked better. Yep. They're always they always look better when Toby Green's out on the field. I know he gave a bit of a whack, but that's I've got no problem with that. I, I love Toby. <laughs> He's my favourite player in the comp by by a fair way, actually. Um, and uh, so they were good. The Giants, so good. But whether they're back at a level that we go wow, um, they've got to do it for a few more weeks, I think. Yeah, well, that was the game they had to win in order to stay in touch with the rest of the finals group, wasn't it? They- yep. Couldn't afford to drop this one, and they've found a, another forward, a forward rather in Jake Riccardi, who they've drafted from Werribee. So yeah. mature age recruit, kicked four goals along with Jeremy Cameron. So he's keeping Jeremy Finlayson out of the side, and he's no mug in front of goal either. But he's just had a couple of quiet weeks, and they needed to find another avenue. So uh, good on Jake Riccardi for getting there, and look like Lockie Whitfield. We've mentioned him previously, where he's a the playmaker from half back, and so important to the way they move the ball forward into the forward line, and he had a fantastic game. He got good contribution from mids as well, um, and as you say, DeBoer kept five quiet, so they had to rely on the likes of Mundy and uh, the other young fellas like Brayshaw and Chera, who have been pretty consistent this year as well. But 
uh, Giants just prevented the the Frio's run that they've had in the in the previous games where they've looked quite good and prevented any meaningful ball movement. And Luke Ryan, they I think they lost late in the game as well. Yeah. So um, that's not year. good for for Frio because he and Brennan Cox really run that back line for Frio. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's a fair dent in Frio's hopes of getting more wins for the rest of the year. I think. Yeah. Um, and the Giants, as we said, are in that bottleneck around the, the eight. I think they're ninth at the moment. So they're right in the mix, but just have to win every game, basically. Now, your Saints are right in the mix as well. They're mm. currently, well, they've dropped to seventh, but they're still a game clear of, and yeah, they've been playing well. But uh, what did you make of a bit of a heart stopper, really? Melbourne kicked out, and you thought, oh, they're starting to kick away here during the second quarter. They certainly got off to a better start, but then the Saints started to come back and got back in front during the third quarter, and it was just a real arm wrestle. It was quite a thrilling finish as a neutral observer. Uh, Saints 7-7-49 just couldn't get over the, the D's 8-4-52. It was one that both teams, I guess, had to win, so Demons have uh, done their finals chances a, a, a big boost, and the Saints just dropped back down towards the bottom of the eight, whereas they could have cemented a spot a bit higher up. Mm. So how um, how deflated were you by that? And, and could you have won the game or should you have won the game? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Oh, look, it's tremendously deflate, deflating as a St Kilda supporter. So uh, especially as we touched on last week, there's a, a bit of an internal rivalry between Melbourne and St Kilda supporters. So yes. that one hit the St Kilda supporters a bit hard. I noticed on social media there was a couple of the guys that uh, were especially upset with that one. And you, <laughs> you read the uh, the memes of guys saying, oh, I want St Kilda to uh, put my coffin into the ground at my funeral so they can let me down one last time, <laughs> all, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and it's look, it's, it's quite knee-jerk, but look, that's the... F- the fourth game, I think, St Kilda's lost by less than three kicks for the year. Yep. Um, so you think of the ones they lost at, in the round one, they lost to North, they've lost to Frio, uh, they've lost this one and they've lost Brisbane as well, um, which were all winnable games for them. So, yep. look, they're in, I hate to say it, they're really in real danger of actually slipping out. They've they've got a couple of teams nipping at their heels, like the Melbournes and the GWSs and those sorts of Teams, so they're going to they've, they've reverted back to bombing the ball into the forward line, which hasn't worked for them in the past. When they were winning games, they were hitting up targets on the lead into the forward line, and that's when they looked really good. Uh, don't know why they've reverted back to that. Uh, Max King has sort of been found out a little bit with his experience in the last couple of weeks as well. He got towed up by Harris Andrews last week and. Stephen May did a number on him in this game as well, and he was named in Melbourne's best. So, oh, May was outstanding, yeah. Yeah, uh, so the fact that you keep bombing it in and allowing May to do that sort of work uh, just plays into Melbourne's hands. And I think Melbourne just had a, a bit more of a contribution from all their mids, whereas there was probably a few more passengers from St Kilda's ball movers. And you could say that uh, Jack Steele and Bradley Hill, Bradley Hill, uh, who's had a quite quite a couple of games throughout the year. Uh, definitely wasn't quite. He found the ball plenty of times, but he, I don't think he had too much assistance in the end. So um, I think last week they were complaining about not giving the ball to Brad Hill. And yeah. now now he's not had the, the help now that he's getting the ball. So, uh, yeah, look, back to the drawing board for St. Kilda again. <laughs> Let's see what they've done wrong. And, and uh, they've got the... I'd, 
They've got the buy next week, I think, yes. so, or this week rather. So uh, I don't think that probably comes fairly timely for them. Uh, they could probably do with the rest and and recoup and and see what they do moving forward. But Clayton Oliver's had a, a pretty rich vein of form as well. He's led that midfield really well for, for Melbourne in their probably last four or five games where they've won majority of them. So, mm. Yeah, Mel- going well for Melbourne apart from the last week, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with St Kilda in the in the next festival of footy. Yeah, yeah, festival. The, the yeah, Saints have got the bye next week. Melbourne plays Sydney, so you'd tip Melbourne there. Um, then Saints have got the Hawks. Melbourne have got Frio, so you, probably you both should win those games. Saints then have the Eagles up at the Gabba. And Melbourne have the Giants, so they're uh, a couple of toss the coin games. And then the last round, uh, where are you, Saints? You play the Giants, so that's another. <laughs> you know that might be a decider for a top eight spot. And Melbourne mm. play Essendon, who Melbourne at the moment would start favourite. So um, pretty. And that's even. the makeup game too, isn't it? The Melbourne. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty even run home between the two of you. To really, there's one that you should win, and then there's a couple of coin toss games. So. Yep. Um, it's a real, and I think the Giants are pretty similar. So it's a pretty interesting finish towards the end of the season. Um, everyone loves a Collingwood Carlton game, and Sunday dished up a, a ripper. The final score shows the Pies got up relatively comfortably, I guess, 10 12 72 to 7 6 48. But the game was in the balance until midway through that last quarter. The Blues at one point had a couple of goal lead in the third quarter, and you thought, geez, they're. Uh, Blues are on here. They're going to get up. So it was a, it was a really good game. Actually, I, I enjoyed watching it. What did you see it? And uh, and what did you think? Like Pies, as we spoke with Mark LePage, to have the injuries they have and to be winning is just a, a tick, <laughs> no matter what at the moment. Not wrong. Uh, look, the Pies, uh, they'll probably uh, be very glad they're sitting in that top eight at the moment. So look, the Blues are really good for the first half and. They just couldn't manage to snag a goal in the second, so I think that was their their downfall in the end. And I think uh, the Pies made a couple of changes in in that uh, second half, which probably uh, allowed them to, to get on top a bit more. And Taylor Adams has been leading that midfield with uh, Sidebottom and Trelaw out, so that's continued his development a lot. Well, and Pendles as as good as he is, he's sort of starting to come into his twilight years a bit. So I'm sure he's still got a couple of good years in him, but they would want uh, other players to start stepping up and take that mantle from him. But uh, Crisp was poor in the first half. He uh, butchered the ball a bit, but he tidied up after half time. So there's probably another element of that uh, contributing to Collingwood uh, getting over the line. Uh, I don't think the the Quayna matchup on Betts on the first half worked, and that was something that they changed in the second half as well. So they moved Mo, uh, John Noble to Eddie Betts in the second half, and Eddie didn't bother the scorers after that. So look, uh, <laughs> Carlton will be will be upset as they would always be losing to Collingwood, but the fact that they would have needed that to stay in touch uh, for any yeah. sort of half finals hope. Uh, would be very disappointing for them. The the good thing out of that would be that Sam Walsh did try to lead from the front. And, He's good. Um, the downside of it, probably, I don't think Cripps has been as imposing as he usually is, not just this game, but for probably the last month or so. And yep. I know there's been a bit of a focus of him getting ragged off the ball and, and that sort of thing. And I think that 
the top elite AFL players will get that regardless. Um, I don't think it's going to ever going to be fully stamped out because not every umpire is going to be looking for it. But he's probably carrying a, a couple of niggles, I would have thought, because he's just, as I say, just not been that dominant figure in that midfield like he normally is. And Chris Main might be a bit sore tonight too because he full, <laughs> faced the full brunt of uh, of a rampaging uh, Cripps and well done to Chris for standing there and taking the, the tackle and, and the massive blow to the head. I hope he's okay. But he walked off the ground, which was a good sign, but, gee, he looked rattled. It looked like it could have damaged a nose or uh, whatever it might have been, but he was. it was uh, the full force of, of Patrick Cripps, who was down. Yeah, you're right. Um, and the Blues, they're a game behind that bottleneck at the... They're in twelfth. They're on twenty four points. They're four points down. So that that was a yeah, that was a big eight pointer. That one again for the for the Blues. If you can have eight pointers, but um, signs are positive though. They're they're uh, well and truly on the rise. And the Pies, yeah, Taylor Adams would have to be winning their best and fairest almost. I would think. And um, I, I noticed something. Who do you think is more selfish <laughs> whenever the excuse me. Frog in the throat again. Um, who do you think's more selfish in front of goals? Uh, Stevenson from Collingwood or Papley from Sydney? Because there's a few times on the weekend where uh, Stevenson could have just dished off and he went, nah, I'm going, and he didn't even get close. <laughs> thought, oh, yeah, I'm not sure uh, Not sure he had a glimpse anywhere else, and Papley can be a bit like that too. Yeah, and, and to be fair, there's a, there's a couple of other players just floating around uh, in the same boat. So, look, they're probably on par with each other, to, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, they're exciting to uh, watch they, anyway. They both yeah. like a celebration as well. So, look, there, there's been a few characters come out this year, uh, Papley mm. being one. I think um, Charlie Dixon's celebrations are, are pretty full on. And uh, in particular, the one that stood out for me last week was the Zach Butters winning goal from that, that ruck yep. tap. He just went... <laughs> just slightly over the top with with his, but look, that was all probably pure adrenaline rush and uh, enjoyment that the, he knew the fact that he got him over the line. So, yeah, and look, was... we don't want to we don't want to turn the players into robots, but nah, um, for sure, we like a bit of personality. And look, uh, the public are always going to damn you if you do and damn you if you don't. So yes. just just be who you are and and uh, play the way you want to play within the the coach's rules. I think. Yeah, I just know that those two blokes I mentioned, uh, they do put the blinkers on when they get within about 40 <laughs> metres of goal. Um, I, I wish I had the blinkers over my eyes for the last game of the round. It wasn't much to watch if you're a North fan. You, uh, 4-4 North, 28, absolutely smashed by the Suns, 12-19-91. Mm. So 31 shots to eight. And they didn't kick a goal after half time. North, they managed just three points against the Suns team that are improving and exciting, but they're not exactly world beaters yet. Um, yeah. There's some really um, depressing signs, I guess, if you're a North supporter, whereas, yeah, if the Suns kick straight, that is an absolute shellacking. Um, what, yep. Did you see the game? We don't need to really spend too much time on it. Sexton <laughs> kicked four. Um, King kicked two four. He probably could have kicked five. So. Yep. Um, you know, there's some real wasted chances there. The Suns will be disappointed with that, but overall, one of yeah, it wasn't much to laugh about for uh, if you're a North fan. No, not a game for the ages. Uh, North were admirable to a point in that first half. The Suns probably did keep them in the game due to their inaccurate kicking, and that's not the first time that they've uh, kept a opposition side in in the game from their accurate kicking in front of goal, but. North's defensive efforts were probably subpar as well. You could see there was a couple of occasions where 
Suns were fumbly in the midfield and they were still able to go back, get it, and then just sort of waltz off and do what they wanted to do. And even the commentators mentioned at times that North looked like witches' hats in a training drill. So, yeah, yeah look, North have really had um, issues uh, since they returned to football, didn't they, after that round one win? So, uh, I, I really like the Suns' mids, uh, especially in this game. So Anderson, they were comparing him to yeah. uh, being the rising star. Monty, uh, they compared him to some of Caleb Sarong's numbers, who are actually quite high as well. So, uh, But uh, I think Anderson's played a few more games than what Sarong has. Uh, Greenwood's been a really good pickup from Adelaide, uh, but he needs to grow back that tash. He just looks weird without that <laughs> moustache. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. picture what you look like without a beard, and I'm a bit concerned too. I, I've, I've had facial hair for a very long time. I don't think even my wife remembers me what I look like without it. Um, who was the other one? Uh, Took Miller. I, I've sung his yeah. praises probably a few times now. Yeah, he's and been excellent. I keep saying he's got leadership written all over him, and he he was really good in that midfield as well. And the other one was Ben Ainsworth. Uh, I think he's got a new role under Stewie Jew, so I think previously he's been sort of pigeonholed as a – Blanker or a pocket, and they've just kept him in that sort of role. He's been pushed up through the midfield and playing a bit more of a releasing role through that half-back area and then running through the mid, and he played a good game as well. Um, I'd like to see Reese Shaw uh, try a few new things with North in the remaining games. So it's quite clear that they're going to struggle to compete with some of the uh, teams in the top echelon of the league at the moment. So. Yeah. Like to see him try a few different things with players that he wants to see if he's actually got any more left out of them or whether he needs to move them on uh, and try a few more kids as well. Like they were mentioning um, that Ed Vickers Willis, uh, who was playing, he's been on the list for quite a few years now and he's been a bit injury riddled. So um, I think he needs to use the remaining games now to, to figure out who they're going to keep and. Um, whether they've got any other strings to their bow and whether he needs to move them on and just do a bit of a refresh. Although I, th- I think at some point, I can't remember if it was North or Hawthorne said they weren't going through a reboot or, or a rebuild rather. Um, yeah. I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, yeah look, a, a tough yeah, year for North, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and they're lucky it's a 17-game season and not a 22-er because uh, that would really drag out. But it must be... Dragging out. I know they're living in luxury at these um, hubs, but even then, you probably wish you could be at home and then maybe go see the parents or just go and do something a bit different, go to your local cafe, those sort of things that they can't do just to break it up. They're actually in the bubble 24 uh, 7, so it would be a long few weeks for North, I reckon. Um, yeah. And they're lucky the Crows are having an absolute stinker, or else they'd be looking at a wooden spoon. But um, yeah, it's fortunate that the Crows are at another level again, although they've been a bit more competitive of late. But, uh, so the latter after 14 rounds, uh, Port Adelaide on top, game clear of Geelong and Brisbane. Richmond are fourth, two points ahead of West Coast, who are two points ahead of Collingwood, who are two points ahead of St, St Kilda. And the Saints are a game up on Melbourne to round out the eight. All those guys, except for the top two teams, most of them are on pretty even percentages. Uh, and then the Giants um, are ninth, they're on 28 as well. Bulldogs are on 28 in 10th. Bombers are two points behind in 11th. Carlton uh, two points behind again in 12th. Suns two points behind again in 13th. Frio two points down on 14th. Hawthorne a game down in 
15th. Then the Swans equal points as them. North Melbourne are second last on 12 points and the Crows yet to win a game from their 13 matches. So four rounds to go, a month to go and um, still anyone's guess, but you, you reckon Richmond, Geelong, West Coast uh, probably, and Port Adelaide, they're, they're the four, aren't they, that look likely at the moment to probably be the Premiership fancies going forward. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, look, Brisbane's probably a smoky now. They've sort of shown signs that they may not be quite up to the task. And yeah. apologies to any Brisbane uh, listeners that uh, don't agree with that. But, uh, yeah, there has been signs where it suggests that maybe they won't necessarily be able to compete at the pointy end uh, like the other teams will. So I think Geelong and Richmond are probably the... The two real form teams at the moment, but as we say, we've got another festival of Woody coming, so who knows what that's going to throw up. And the Lions will be hoping they find some really good form because it's looking more and more likely, given that um, the likes of Gil McLaughlin and other key executives have made the move to bubble to Hubbles in uh, hubs in Queensland. Um, you get the sense that that's where the finals are going to be. I think some media mm. have moved up there. Everyone's sort of heading that way. So, uh, And there's big talk of, A, no parade, no grand final parade for the first time since the late 70s, and also night grand final very much on the agenda. And mm. given that the game would probably be at the Gabba in late, or, in late October, so it's starting to get a bit steamy, a bit hot, um, you get the impression a nighttime grand final is probably a better idea rather than have blokes running around in 35-degree heat during the day if that is how it plays out. Yeah, if I was a player, I'd probably be preferring to uh, play in the cooler weather rather than the stinky hot. So uh, it's funny you mention uh, all the games moving up there. Metricon didn't look too crash hot there. It it was looking a bit patchy. So while it looks like it needs a break, uh, I don't think it's going to get that break but having said that they are playing a few games in Cairns so maybe that might give it the respite it needs. True. What did you think just before we move on to any any local stuff mate, what did you think of the, I don't know if you read this or not but uh, Rory Atkins at the Crows has done Mm. what what happens in rugby every week but doesn't really happen in (laughs) footy. I know it happened last year with Ellis at Richmond, Brandon Ellis sort of signalled at the start of the finals that he was a done deal to move to the Gold Coast the next year, and and the club was great with that. And they, you know, they said, "Oh, we want you on board." And he played in the Premiership, so it was fantastic. And then he moved to the Suns, and they wished him well. It was a financial offer that they weren't prepared to match, and they were happy yep. to for him to go. And that's something that's the norm in rugby, but is very un, unheard of in footy for that to be announced and to be accepted by the club. But the Crows have gone the other way. Rory Atkins has said, "Is it Rory? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah." He said. He's told the Crows, I'm out at the end of the year. I'm going to head home to Victoria, uh, most likely. Um, and they've said, right, uh, pop your stuff in your bag and clean out your locker and off you go. He's he's done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's, as you say, it's pretty unheard of. And uh, What was it? There was something similar a few years back. Uh, I remember a player saying that they... Uh, were inkling to go somewhere else. I forget who it was, and 
the team said, no, you're not playing another game for the rest of the year. Oh, the that's true. The yeah. name eludes me. Uh, yeah. And we'll probably think of it when we stop cl- uh, talking about it. But Yeah, that's right. But that's true, yeah. So, but, but again, he was sort of blacklisted by everyone because it was yeah. like, how dare you even say this? Whereas <laughs> rugby league or any sport really, uh, all your sports overseas and everything, it's sort of a, a – common thing like mm. we're, we're the one sport where we're so tied to our loyalties of our team that you do not be a traitor mid-season you wait until the end of the year you know so it's a big call now to be fair uh, rory atkins has been a key part of that adelaide team in the past so yep. his name's not popped up this year at all from from my memory so for him to want to go and seek uh, opportunities elsewhere probably makes sense for him and Probably for Adelaide as well. A bit, bit rough that they said pack your bags and yeah, see you later. Be, we'd... I don't know if he's injured or I don't know if there's anything mm. else to it, but I got the sense that it was just, oh, if you're not in with us, then get out. I, I'm, I might be wrong there, but it, that's how it read anyway. Um, yeah, no, well, good luck to him. Uh, I reckon um, there will be a few Victorian teams interested in him. I'm yep. not sure if it's going to be the, the top tier teams interested in him. Uh, if anything, it'll probably be to bolster their their depth, uh, whereas uh, he would probably get a decent run at a club uh, somewhere like North or or one of those sorts of clubs uh, would be interested. But whether North are interested in Rory as such, I, I don't know. So um, he's not, he's not taking them to their next premiership, is he? So Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the other one is Jeff Kennett said during the week that um, that looks like he, he doesn't see maybe no crowds much next year either, certainly in Victoria, um, which is a pretty – I mean, he'd, have, he'd have a lot more data than you and me, so that's a pretty daunting sign for us footy fans who want to get back to a, to see a game and mm. and cheer on our team down here in Victoria. And uh, he's sensing there may not be a lot of big crowd gatherings even next year, which is, uh, yeah, a bit of a concern. Yeah, well, that's the thing we don't we don't really know, do we? Nah. Um, we can it's a week by week prospect at this stage, so we've only managed to get our new cases down under a hundred and went back over a hundred the other day. So uh, who knows? The, the stage four lockdown can still go for another couple of weeks if we're not getting it down low enough. And uh, a couple of people have told me that. Uh, it's very possible it could go another couple of weeks if we don't get it down towards under 50 and, and those sorts of areas. So, yeah, well, we, we don't know at this stage and hopefully we get footy back in Victoria next year. Might have to move to Alice Springs or somewhere. It was great to see the <laughs> footy there, the Demons and the Saints. Just uh, It's been great to see it at a few different venues this year. I know you said... Uh, Metricon's starting to look a bit patchy, you're right But uh, gee, a couple of those Northern Territory grounds Look like Lawn Bowls fields, they were fantastic So it's been good to see a bit of that happening um, And maybe a bit more of it next year We'll wait and see That's our AFL wrap um, We had a really good touch on the Albany League With Mark LePage at the start of the show But we know what you're like you, You've had feelers out everywhere You've probably sent your kids out during the week Snuck them out of quarantine <laughs> Just to go and uh, find a few snippets of information for us So what have you, Owen Carter, dug up that you can enlighten us on from uh, the Gippsland region? Well, I'll use your uh, NT as a, as a segue. So uh, there was an interesting post from a bloke called Jackson Clark who covers football in Northern Territory, and he's got a pretty dedicated following. Uh, he was mentioning in a recent Facebook post that 
pretty much half of country Victoria are planning to move up to NT and play footy for yeah. the NTFL season this year. So yeah. that'll be quite interesting. Uh, I know there's already a, a reasonable amount of country Victorian footballers that go up there to play. Obviously, there's if you've got family commitments or job commitments down this way, it may prevent you to do that. But considering the circumstances we're in, that would open up a lot more opportunity for country football is not only for Victoria but other states as well to go and do that so uh, NTFL's got quite a uh, a big coverage uh, they've got the premier division and uh, I think there's at least another three divisions below that oh, yeah. with, with a few clubs involved so majority of them are, are Darwin based so uh, yeah that'll be very interesting to see what comes of that yeah uh, but I'll move into local re-signings. So uh, clubs that have announced player re-signings, Tura, Morwell East, Nyora, Druin, uh, Coralin, uh, Dalston announced quite a few re-signings, but there was a key one. So Lucas Ion, who we've uh, touched on before, and Matty Dunn's done a story on for the paper news. Uh, he was officially announced as a re-signing to start playing again in 2021 season. So that's yeah, good right. news that yeah. he's recovered enough to... Continue playing. Uh, coach, re- coach re-signings. Uh, Ballara have re-signed Tony Giardina. Uh, Druin have re-signed Jordan Kingy. And Ellen Bank have re-signed Ben Rag. Uh, no coaches ads at the moment. Uh, old-timey photos. There wasn't many this week. Uh, there was just one from the Devon Football Club, the fourth uh, team photo from 1974. I've uh, got a bit of women's football news. So the Warrigal women's football team that compete in the Southeastern Women's League, uh, they resigned their key leadership group from the 2020 season into the 2021 season. So good news there. Uh, Nicole Garner, who got resigned, uh, rather got signed by Geelong AFLW side. Uh, she is originally from Sale. She also played for Gippsland Galaxy back when... They existed. I think they turned into the Trialgan women's football team. Uh, so she's re-signed for Geelong, so that's good news. Mm. Uh, AFL Gippsland, uh, so I'll go into other stories now, sorry. Uh, AFL Gippsland released a video explaining next year's player points policy. So that is on their is, website, social is, media. Is it uh, common sense? Is it common sense easy to understand? Or uh, Look, I, I haven't heard too much um, bad commentary on it, so... Okay. Uh, it is pretty much spelled out, basically. Yeah. So oh, that's good. it's a pretty informative video. But if anyone wants to contest me on that, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> um, as we touched on earlier, Mid Gippsland Football Netball League accepted all six Alberton clubs into the league for 2021. Uh, the other news that came out of that was Trafalgar were denied a request to transfer to the Ellen Bank District Football League. Uh, so they're going to have to go through AFL Gippsland or AFL Victoria to uh, apply to do that as but, mid. Sorry, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So why do they want to leave? Uh, so Trafalgar. I can't remember the yeah. the actual reasons off the top of my head, but uh, I think that they weren't happy with better, it. Maybe. Yeah, uh, from memory, there was. Uh, the demographics issues. So, uh, oh, yeah. in term in terms of growing their juniors, they've they feel they've got better opportunity to grow their juniors in that western corridor as opposed to the the central and, and southern corridor. So, I think that yeah. was the main reason that they they use in in terms of wanting to leave. But 
mid Gippsland Football League have been very outspoken in that they want to keep all their foundation clubs and and current clubs as well as uh, absorbing all of the Alberton Football Netball League clubs. So uh, that'll be interesting. I haven't got a date on when that happens, but as soon as I find out, I will let everyone know. Uh, what else we've got here? So Hawthorne Football Club, I was a little bit late on this, but back in the Indigenous round last week, uh, Hawthorne Football Club released a video from Harry Pepper, who was a Next Generation Academy draftee. Uh, so he was a Gippsland Power draftee, and he just shared a story of his culture and his background. He's of an Indigenous uh, background. So that was shared on the Gippsland Footy Facebook page. Uh, the there is a page called the Omeo District Football League photos page. So they started sharing some photos on the weekend, uh, mainly because weekend just been would have been the Omeo District Grand Final. Oh, yeah. The league had gone ahead this year. So uh, Omeo District are famously the first country football league to play their Grand Final uh, for the year. So they're all done and done by the end of August. Uh, so they don't even creep into September. Yeah, right. Uh, that's mainly due to the fact that they've only got six teams in the league. So they would have been done and dusted by now. Uh, but a shame, a, a bit of a bit of a, a bad reminder that there was no footy. But yeah. also good to see all those old old photos up. So there's a couple of photos from the old Benambra team before they merged with Omeo and and those sorts of photos. So uh, jump on their page if you want to have a look at that. Uh, South Gippsland umpires also shared a photo of the umpires that played in the or adjudicated in the last ever Alberton Football Netball League Grand Final as well. So that was a bit of a throwback and a, a friendly reminder that Alberton is gone, which is a is a shame. And it's funny. Uh, I remember speaking to perhaps yourself and and Brad Sinclair, who's a a, a friend of the podcast that uh, I was uh, slightly <laughs> selfishly upset that. Alberton were going ahead uh, this year because uh, otherwise I wouldn't have the very last Alberton Football Netball League Grand Final record. Ah. I thought thought (laughs) I might have been to the last one and turns out I haven't. Well, it turns out I have and now I don't know where it is so I've got to go (laughs) digging for that. (laughs) I'll have to uh, put put it somewhere safe so I know exactly where that is. Um, Yulorni Law North uh, posted a story of their footy ops manager, Jason Price. So he is running 250 kilometres in August for the Fred Hollows Foundation. So he's just raising money for the Fred Hollows Foundation. So if you can afford to donate, I have shared that story on the Gippsland Footy Facebook page. Uh, Our old mate, Laurie Williams, he's uh, seeking photos. So if anyone's got photos of the St. Paul's Trailgun team from 1963 to 65... Uh, the Cumberland Park under-16s team from 65 to 66, and any photos of Currajung Football Club. Yes, I'd love uh, to see them. Yeah, uh, send a, he's asking for photos of them. So if you've got any, send them through to lorryfooty at hotmail.com. Um, also, any clubs that are looking to get some funds through memorabilia auctions. Uh, 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 sorry, I went blank there for a second. Contact Graham at Yobbo Lotto. So uh, Graham uh, works for Memorabilia Magic. 
Uh, he does a lot of fundraising nights for clubs. He's got a lot of memorabilia. He does uh, Yobo Lotto, Music Bingo, amongst other things. So he's got a dedicated Facebook page. Just jump on that if you are interested. And that is the wrap from me. Well done. Fantastic stuff. And uh, uh, the, you losing your, your footy record that, you know, it's one year old, but in a few years it might uh, it might be an historical document. So you better find that. Just speaking of historical facts, this week, if you get a chance, jump online at some point. I wrote a PhD on Alex Jezelenko and I was fascinated in the great man and uh, the and I hope to turn it into a book one day when I can finally get him to give me the tick of approval. But he, throughout it, the the big, the sadness in, or yeah, the disappointment was that there was no, he's the only player in Carlton's history to kick 100 goals in 1970, so 50 years this year. Yep. And the disappointment that I um, found as a researcher and, and what the club historian, Tony DeBolfo, we discussed a few, few times with, do you know where there's footage of this 100th goal? And there there wasn't any. There was no official footage. Mm. It was kicked late in a game. Tony reckons that, you know, back in those days they'd, they'd nick off after they got their vision for the news or whatever. So um, there's vision. Of, there was vision of his 99th, but we never saw the 100. And <laughs> uh, it was a real shattering thing for Carlton historian people because, you know, it's the only time it's happened. So, and in an amazing twist of fate, this week Tony put the word out there on, on Twitter just has anyone seen footage of the 100th goal? Has it, you know, does anyone know? And this man has contacted him and he's he was behind the goals at the very end. Jezza kicked his 100th goal and he obviously had a handheld. I don't know what they would have cost in those days. They wouldn't have been cheap, but he, he had one just running himself um, on that day, uh, mm. the last round of 1970 at Carlton, Melbourne. And He's captured the shot. I mean, it's shaky stuff and it's a little bit, it's not crystal clear, but you see Jezza mark and kick his 100th goal and then bolt towards his teammates because the crowd rush on the field. It's just to think that 50 years down the track that, that emerges, that someone's been sitting on that for 50 years. Where have you been? <laughs> we've, uh, we've been wishing to see that footage. So those are the sort of things that are still out there. Um, so your, your missing record... Uh, may become the sort of talking point in 50 years' time, mate. So make sure you find that thing and keep it, uh, keep it, keep it in <laughs> safekeeping because you never know what's still out there. I was, I was blown away that we were able to find this footage. I know Jez's daughter, Kate, was just ecstatic when she saw it. So amazing what's out there. Uh, yeah, so we love our memorabilia collectors. Yeah, I don't think it'll be quite to the level of just like his 100th goal, but... Um, no, definitely. I've got a fair idea of where it is. I just haven't uh, bothered to look yet. So, uh, fingers crossed, it's still where I think it is. All right, we'll have it found by next week, please. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it for any given Monday. For Monday, the thirty-first of August, hard to believe that uh, about this time every year, I'm starting to just shut down all relationships with every person I know because it's finals <laughs> time, and it's just focus on the finals. It's the favourite month of my life every year. I don't care if um, no one talks to me for a month. I just soak <laughs> myself up in finals footy and it's just a massive void at the moment because uh, <laughs> we're only up to round 15. I'm not talking about finals yet. It's uh, it's a very different feel, isn't it? And I know it's coming to finals time because my eyes are the itchiest things you'll ever find on earth when it comes to hay fever season. So, mm. um, yes, yeah, so normally I've got my finals fixed, but I'm sure there's a lot of us that are going, oh, it's, uh, it's not happening this year. So, uh, anyway, round 15 next week, plenty to look forward to. It's starting to get to the business end. 
Um, as you can tell, Owen Carter's going to have 650 things for us to uh, little snippets of gold that we we really um, we do look forward to. It's fantastic. We thank Mark LePage for coming on. We uh, were a bit late starting this uh, this recording, and he was good enough to hang around. So thanks for that, Mark. And fascinating insight. And we'll certainly be speaking with him next season, along with all the others from uh, across the, uh, the across the competition and throughout Gippsland at various times. We've got another special guest next week, so uh, look forward to that. Owen Carter's uh, roped in a ripper for us to talk to next week, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week, mate? I am looking forward to watching a bit more footy again. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's be boring, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's the life we lead these days. Yes. I think, uh, what do we get? We get uh, tonight off. Uh, if you're listening on the Monday, you'll be getting tonight off. And uh, back into it Tuesday. So, you know, the, the marriage is on the ropes again. And <laughs> <laughs> the kids will be uh, pulling on my leg for attention. But now, all good, mate. Uh, business as usual. Uh, getting, through, getting through week by week and enjoying life as much as possible. Good to hear, and uh, just keep an eye on the newspapers and the media this week. A bit of coverage of my Crimo books, that's worth just checking that out as well, and we'll give you more details next week on that. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Mark LePage, and thanks, everyone else. My Bombers had a win, so I'm pretty happy. Uh, Wrapped, I've got one over Owen for this week, Uh, (laughs) and over my brother Nick, who's a Hawks man, so stiff bickies, pal. Uh, Bombers got up, but uh, enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next Monday on any given Monday. I'm going to sign off this time, mate, I think, with a bit of... Go, uh, go Bombers. Any given Monday, 